Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. More and more distributors are faced with the challenge of serving international clients. Sometimes it's just one project, a client that requires merchandise drop shipped anywhere in the world. Other times it's an RFP opportunity that requires international expertise. Well, if you're a US-based distributor or an Australian distributor and you're trying to ship into the UK and Europe, Stephen Ward is your guy. Stephen is the managing director of Award Signs and Business Gifts based out of the UK. Stephen's become somewhat of a folk hero in the undercurrent of savvy promo distributors, helping distributors navigate the difficulty of shipping and sourcing into the UK and Europe. Today, Stephen and I chat about this, how he helps distributors both source and ship, and how collaboration over competition has created a win-win scenario for Stephen and many US-based CommonSkew distributors. Hi friends, I'm Bobby Lehu, Chief Content Officer at CommonSkew, and this week we open registration for Product Summit Sustainability. Product Summit Sustainability is a fresh take on product education combining real-world learning with on-trend product ideas. And this year, joining us on the main stage is our good friend Danny Rosen, co-president of Brandfuel, and Mel Hubner, director of social impact and sustainability at Brandfuel. And they're going to talk about how, in 2022, they achieved a decades-long dream, achieving B Corp status. Join us as we chat with Mel and Danny about making branded merchandise a force for good. And also joining us on the main stage, I've invited Sadia Bryant with Gemline. And I don't know how much you know about Gemline's progress in the realm of sustainability, but they are leading in the industry when it comes to their commitment while not losing their creative edge. We'll talk with Sadia about how they make product decisions while minimizing their environmental footprint and how they think about impact. Product Summit Sustainability is not a big time commitment. It's only from 2 to 5 p.m. ET. You'll not only hear Danny and Mel and Sadia, but you'll see some of the most innovative product ideas in sustainability today from over 15 different suppliers. So invite your team and join us virtually on Thursday, May 4th. You can register at commonskew.com slash product summit. This episode is brought to you by CommonSkew, the work from anywhere platform that powers your connected workflow, enabling you to process more orders and dramatically grow your sales. To learn more, visit commonskew.com. Now here's my chat with Steven. Steve Ward, good to see you, my friend. And you too, Bobby. Great to see you again. Folks that are meeting you for the first time through the podcast might not know is that you're one of the most encouraging people I have ever met. You show up at our events all the way from England to join us, and uh, you have just become such an integral and an important part of the community. And just thanks for just being a great example of what an entrepreneur looks like today. That's very kind of you to say. I'm a big believer in if you're going to do something, then go all in on it and sort of give what you can and yeah. reap what uh, what comes back to you. It's yeah. just making those connections and friendships has been, you know, for somebody that was on, on my own in the business for so long, it's the, this community has been an amazing for me to discover. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your market and, and what part of the UK you're in. You're a distributor and you are in? We're nearest major town to us is Manchester. So it's northwest of England. So okay. pretty much in the middle of the UK. Right. Uh, but we work 
know, with clients all over the UK and EU, and we have some global clients. Um, but yeah, it's slap bang in the middle of the, the UK, really. Yeah. What What's the main difference between the Euro- European UK markets and the US markets in terms of like consumer preferences and how how's the competitive landscape? Would just give us a glimpse of what all that looks like. I think the biggest thing I've noticed is we're a little bit behind the US in when it comes to sort of current trends. The biggest thing I noticed when I first joined Common Skew was collaborations with known brands and some of the big brands. Yeah. It just wasn't a thing you couldn't even get the brand unless they wouldn't sell to the trade over here. Um, that's changing now. I was at the PSI show in Europe in January, and there are suppliers now who are concentrating on getting those bigger brands together. So we're mm. playing catch up a little bit. And I think even the whole kitting, I think we were slow on the uptake with that compared to the US. Um, but in terms of the market, it's changed a lot over here because of Brexit, sending items over to Europe was just like sending it anywhere in the UK. Hmm. Uh, that's been a big hurdle for us to get around. European and UK markets are similar, but they're, uh, it's now changed a lot. And yet the UK, so you've been far ahead of the curve, far ahead of the US in sustainability efforts though. Is that what I, I hear? I think so. There's, yeah. I, for years, there has been an eco-friendly, sustainable option for items, but the take-up on them wasn't great, so the prices were really high, so pricing clients wouldn't go for that. But we work with some UK manufacturers doing like uh, the recycled plastic or even using pre-consumer uh, recycled plastic, so that it's a fully recycled and recyclable product. And they're now starting to really take off and everybody's going on the bam, bamboo and mm. it's, there's a much bigger push on the eco side in it. Right. Um, just talk about your business for a minute. How did you get started? What type of clients do you serve? I got started 25 years ago this year. Um, okay. My background is from advertising agencies. I'd worked in about four or five agencies and as on, on the production side, around the production departments, yeah. so TV advertising, radio, and it's all about getting the content out to the stations or out to the press, or in the case of signage and merchandise, you know, into the hands of the end users. And with my last agency, I just got to a point where I wasn't particularly enjoying it, and I thought I'm just going to go and do something on my own. I just want so I've got enough money to be happy and support the family. That was the life I wanted, so off I went and didn't start out with merchandise. I had a vinyl cutter and a computer, and I was going to go and do signs for the local community. <laughs> and it was great for a while, it, it just ticked along. And then people said, Can you get me some pens? Can you get me mugs? Can you get me key rings? Right. And then before you know it, that snowballs. And well, doing a signage job for a garage, which is a you know, car dealership. It's only around the corner from us many years ago, introduced us to um, a big media company in Manchester that had a local newspaper and TV station. And that was it. So the merchandise side just took off massively after that. And most of our work comes by referrals. We, we do very little. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't do any advertising at all, paid for advertising. Um, we're in a few networking groups, um, 
it's just the referral side and that's grown. And along the lines, we got introduced to some companies in London that had global offices, were creating products and sending products all over the world. Um, hmm. Which isn't problems, as you know. But. Now, you started working with all types of clients, but you've evolved your clientele and you're working for some more high-end verticals. What types yeah. of industries are you working with now? I, one area that we we got introduced to a clients in the financial technology area. Just we worked with them for a good number of years, still do on a couple of projects. Uh, but as people come and go from that, we've moved into other companies. We, we seem to have now worked or be working with four or five companies that are in that industry. Mm. Um, and again, all via referral, it's, it's not an industry we thought, I know we can do that. We know exactly what we're doing for that market. But so we're now able to suggest items that people go, oh yeah, that'd be really good. And oh, that would go down great with our clients. And um, we, we only have a few larger clients and a, a lot of our business in the UK. Another difference to the US is order quantities are much smaller. Right. Because a lot of companies that we work with are just UK based. So they've got, you know, a maximum target that they're going to aim at. Um, but in terms of who we work with, the financial technology is probably sort of the one area where we're focused on sort of that we got introduced and then it was like, oh, okay, so yeah. we'll do something with that. Other programs, we we work with all industries, we work with local authorities, we work with the NHS, we work with media companies, and it's just a case of adjusting the products to fit the problems that they have. It's, I've always aimed to offer solutions to problems rather than sell products. So now you're developing expertise with fintech, and and that's exactly what happens, right? When you start becoming, uh, developing your businesses, you lean into a vertical and you keep gaining an expertise in how these clients work, right. what they need, where they're headed, and it just it's easier to expand that way. Yeah, it's the expansion came. Right? Just going back to how I started, I was working from home. The business grew, I got an office, we had some part-time staff, and then we had the recession in 2008, and I had to close the office, make staff redundant, and it was that was an awful thing for me, um, and I never wanted to do that again. So I, I sort of hunkered down, and we just started slowly again, and we say just again, by a referral, we get introduced to things, and to a point where we couldn't, I couldn't just do it on my own anymore. I, I just feel like I'm, I've got imposter syndrome with all these amazing companies that are in the US and I've listened to Scootcast and it's like, wow. And you now I, I spoke to Jeremy uh, from swagbox.com uh, mm. last year, um, just trying to help him out with something. And then I saw the, the podcast you did the end of last year and it's like, it's, it's I just feel crazy. I feel like, you know, a tiddler swimming in a shark pond almost. Yeah, but if you know, it's funny. I hear that comment from folks, no matter what revenue they're running, whether they're running small business or whether they're running a larger business. A lot of folks feel that way, and I think it's. Yeah. I think it, what it is is just the difficulty of the business makes you feel that way because it's it can be complicated, and you're aware of your own challenges, like because you're working yeah. on all the time. You know, yeah. 
Uh, but speaking of this, you've also done something that that uh, uh, we haven't really seen done before to this degree. It's ingenious. You've partnered with U.S.-based distributors to help them with European clients. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, that all started thanks to Mark Graham. He had an email from uh, Adam at Commotion over in Santa Barbara. He introduced us and see if we could help with a, a challenge he had. And we did, and we were with him on a couple of occasions now. And we even actually got to meet up and go and have dinner with him after we did Skew Camp last year. We had a vacation on the West Coast, and that was just great. We sort of just drive down, have an amazing holiday, but to be sat with people in Santa Barbara that you've worked with and you do Zoom calls with and actually help them out. And it's just that connection you get with distributors over there so we've yeah. now worked with probably about half a dozen distributors everywhere from ohio california florida texas and it's great and it's i just approach it again from you know well how can i help what can i do I'm, yeah and how do you how do you help them i think that's what folks would be asking Stephen. how do you help them well the biggest challenge is i mean we've had it shipping out to the u.s um identical products one occasion we shipped some stuff to a board meeting in austin and it was delivered within 24 hours and the client was amazed and spraying needed the same products going into new york and they got stuck in customs with the ups for 10 weeks mm. uh, it's like well how does that work <laughs> so it's just like, well we're not doing that again and it's the same web speaking to us distributors they've had the same trying to get products into europe or into the uk so for me now, if somebody's got a problem like that, we tend to help them split the job. We run the equivalent product or as the, the same product on some, on some instances where we can. And we do the European and the UK arm for them. We've got, we've, as a result of Brexit, we can't just ship into Europe from the UK. So we actually went through a fairly painful process of getting set up with a European VAT and the ORI number. So we have fiscal representation in the EU. So I can buy as an EU company as well as a UK company. Ah. Uh, so we end up, you know, t-shirts are a good example of work that we've done. So we'll print t-shirts in the UK and in the EU, keeping close control on them, making sure it's the same garments, the same inks, the things. So we've got the similar looking products for the client but yeah. we'll just take that side on for a u.s distributor and it takes the headache away from them of trying to ship from the u.s over to the mm -hmm. uk and it being held up or in some instances sent back so they still get charged customs and then it gets sent back and then the client yeah. still pop up the product so if i have a client and let's say it's a t-shirt's a great example. We had an insurance client one time that hit the Fortune 100 best companies to work for. Everybody in the company got a t-shirt. And and that means in the US I could do that. And then through you, I could deliver that to European employees as well. So everybody has the same experience. Is that a good example of what you're... Yeah, it's a perfect example. Yeah. And we'll, we even split it down where we're drop shipping to individual addresses. We're delivering in bulk to offices or even into warehouses for logistics. Yeah. Whatever the the occasion or the need that the client's got, then we can help out with them. 
What would you advise? I kind of have two questions. Going back to Brexit a little bit, did, how did, is that a good example of how it made things more complicated? You now had to get this licensing in Europe as well as in the UK? Yeah, it, it's, it changed the industry overnight. I think throughout mm. the whole referendum as to whether the UK should leave or remain, I don't think anybody ever said in very clear terms that this is what's going to happen if you leave. I think if somebody had really stood up and said that, a lot of companies wouldn't have voted to leave. Um, but what it did is, even though, it, it, even with Ireland, Ireland and Northern Ireland, we can ship into Northern Ireland without too much of a problem. We can't ship into Southern Ireland because it's still very much part of the EU. So for a T-shirt order, we're printing it over in Europe. It's then taking seven or eight days to clear to then get into Southern Ireland, or if that's still quicker than us trying to do it and cheaper than us trying to do it from the UK, yet sure. it's, it's yeah. in our ferry ride away. You know? Yeah. And it, it's <laughs> just the whole, like, two sets of VAT and splitting all of that out. So it just put additional costs on. And, I've, yeah. you know, I'm sure somebody is winning from the whole process, but I'm not fine. <laughs> Right. Well, and I love that you outline this process because this is exactly the kind of thing as a U.S. distributor would say, I don't, I just suddenly just get my, my eyes glaze over. I'm confused. I don't understand the system. You do. And that's a big help. Is yeah. this, um, it, what advice would you give to distributors with clients? You know, often they'll just shut down a project with a client. I think it's changing, but it used to be, you know what, we don't do business in the UK. Now, though, with a partner like you, they can say yes to these kinds of things. Yeah, very much so. And it's, you know, as I say, we've helped about six US distributors now with various projects. Um, some very straightforward, just needed a job to drop and delivering in bulk one address in the UK. That was an mm. easy win. Um, others are a lot more complicated if it's UK and the EU and there's drop shipping as well as bulk shipping. But I've got it in reverse. We've got some projects that we deliver um, that goes out to the US and they've now got with all your different tax variations with the different states and everything that was causing us mm -hmm. problems but now job simplified a little but I don't even try and do that I've got a distributor helping me source all the warehousing and everything so right. once it gets delivered it's just looked after over there I don't need to worry about it and when the client needs the next pallet of whatever it is then out it goes. Yeah. Do you split, do you like charge a fee? Do you split just percentage of profits? How do you typically work or all, any of the all of the above? The easiest way I've done it is just be completely transparent. I, I share my net costs and I just say, you know, I'm happy to help you out in any way. Let's just split the profit. And mm, yeah. Without exception, everybody's just gone, great. That's the easiest way. Let's crack on. Right. How would you respond to the phrase collaboration over competition? That was a big eye opener for me coming into common skew and mm. seeing just initially just the community feed that's on the platform itself. And then whilst we were in COVID seeing all the Zoom calls and just speaking to other distributors and how, how you do help each other. And it, for me, it's. It's been the best thing I've ever done. And I, I do like to help people anyway. That's just yeah. nature. 
uh, yeah. and working with US distributors. They're not just clients now, but they're friends. In in the UK, we're much sort of denser population and in a smaller service area because mm. I've got my nearest sort of competitors are you know just over a mile away from me within 10 miles radius I've got many companies that do what I do and we're all pretty much fighting for the same piece of work right. uh, and there is no issue for us in the UK sort of shipping to anywhere within the UK that it's the same VAT code there, there aren't that is so it doesn't really matter where you are in the mm. UK you can just deal with another client in the UK and that's it and there is a lot of competition for it particularly since people have caught on to doing the kitting there are many websites springing up like that and Brexit have a knock on there because a lot of people lost their jobs so they've set up on their own so you've got a lot more smaller distributors ships that yeah. set up um, and now there's even more people going after the same work um, right. typically if you go to a networking meeting and you see somebody in the same industry not just emotional product industry you'll see two financial advisors or two uh, accountants and they don't really talk to each other they'll sort of go separate where you can literally see them go right. to meals or go separate right. ways that's the competition and they're in this town and they're, they're right. going to the same sense. work that I yeah. do um, yeah. so I, I'd not really see there may be some collaboration with some of the bigger firms I'm not sure I, I haven't seen it myself Yeah, but for me personally to collaborate with US distributors, it it's working well. It helps them. It helps me. I've got access into the US, and it's it's just fun to do. Speaking of Common Skew, uh, you've been such a great supporter of Common Skew. I mean, you were a supporter before realizing this was going to have an ROI for you, right? You were attending yeah. events, encouraging others. How has Common Skew made an impact on your business? We know from the side of this, from what you're doing with these partnerships, but how about in your operation? For my operations, I I had to find a new software. Um, the the software I was using just stopped overnight for reasons that you know, unfortunately somebody passed away, and they were the brains and had all the information. Um, so I was put in a situation where literally all our whole order processing system just ran to a halt overnight. So very quickly looked around came across this common skew and it's like, what is it? Had made a few inquiries about it. Long story short, decided, yes, this was for me without fully realizing the benefits of the system. Um, and even though in the UK, we have no products to put on that uh, we can just tie in, uh, tap into, we have to put everything on manually. Um, it was such a good system. The clients commented on how they liked the presentations, how they appeared to them. Um, shops are just starting to come on board a little bit for me now. We're hoping to get one off the ground very soon, which we've used pop-up shops, but I've not been able to get a company to do a, a company store yet. Yeah. But in the four years that I've had Common Skew, I've doubled, uh, more than doubled my turnover and doubled the staff. And in fact, the latest staff member started last week. And that was through Delegate CX, who I only found out about at Skew Camp last year, I was like, what is this DCX that people are talking right. about? <laughs> Had a chat with Rory there just before Christmas, and his team have just been amazing. 
Um, yeah. yeah, we had a new starter last week and it couldn't be going better. That's great. How about your personal growth? How's it sort of changed you as a leader and just you know, working, being able to work on your business, in your business? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but how's it really impacted you personally? To me personally, it's, I've, I've got no formal business training whatsoever. I was just, I was fed up in the office one day, right, I'm going to go and do my own thing and sort of, it was going fine and then things start growing and then you, you don't know about all the other issues that you get with growing a business. Right. And trying to do everything from the sales, the production, the installations, then the invoicing and then running all the accounts. And you just, you miss so much. You don't grow the business. It sort of gets tied down. I think the mistake I made earlier on was not getting that good team, even when I did have an office that had part-time staff. They weren't the right stuff, I don't think, at the time. Um, so for me, certainly in the last four years, I've listened to lots of skewcasts. It's opened my eyes to lots of different areas. And as the business has grown, I have now got the right people in place. It's it's now making me feel like a more rounded person. And I, can, I think I can see issues before they become a problem now. Or it's mm. given me the confidence to and tackle something that I might not have done previously. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. It sounds like it because it gives you sort of more confidence and, and uh, energy to scale your workforce as you're already doing. Yeah, it, it's just I need to be able to work on the business because I can see that's what's making the business grow. Yeah. So I, I've sort of all but removed myself from the day-to-day -day or the processing now. I'm still yeah. involved in all the projects, but once... Everybody knows what needs to happen. I just sort of maintain a watch over that to make sure that it does happen. Obviously, being such a small business, holiday cover and things like that, I'm there and sleeves rolled up and in the thick of it again. Yeah. Um, on this topic then, how would you encourage another entrepreneur trying to do it all and grow like you? And what would you tell Stephen Ward who just who who started in the business? What would you tell him now that you know what you know? Try and get a good team together as soon as you can. But mm. that, that's the hard part is knowing what is a good team. I suppose with experience, I've worked out what that is for me now. Um, you know, but if you can do that right from the off, that enables you to, like we've said, work on the business, not in it. Because um, I spent too many years just in it, which were great. I enjoyed them. But to for the, compared to the last four years, it's like chalk and cheese. It was just, I was a different person. I was just head down, not too much stress. Just, yeah, you want one of those or what sign doing or that merchandise. I'm not a problem. I'm just, yeah, I've got enough money to pay the mortgage, take the family on holiday, do what I want to do. And I was happy. It's getting those introductions into the larger companies and then looking at their issues and sort of trying to figure out a way to do that i've really enjoyed that and I, I like figuring out problems it's um working out how best we're going to get around the situation and there's a lot of people that just don't export into europe now because or deal with europe because it was just such a, a hard thing to get into and get sorted out and expensive i think now i've just got the confidence to go well, i can do that um, yeah. 
yeah, for many months, it was just, no, okay, can't get that way, right, find another way around. And, you know, eventually you get there and you make it happen. I think there's a, a lot of making your own look. Yeah. Did you use the phrase, this is, a, here's my Americanism that I didn't catch it. Did you use the, did you use the phrase chunking cheese? No, no. Chalk and cheese. Chalk and cheese. What does that yeah. mean? Um, well, chalk and cheese are so different. Oh, chalk and cheese. <laughs> okay, I got it. <laughs> I love it. All right, great. Yes, you know, so I was like, I thought this was just like some cool throwback phrase from the 19th know. century or something. I was, yeah, yeah. out of it. I, um, I don't know what the American would be, but two things that are so. Yeah, I love different. it. Yeah, it's still cool. I love it better than apples and oranges. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, what do you, Steve, what do you do when you're not working? What do you enjoy? I don't think I'm ever not working fully, but <laughs> I, I'm in a golf business network, um, which I've always played golf, not particularly well, but I play it. Um, that's, it's been really good for my business, but I enjoy golf socially anyway, but the actual golf group we're in, they've now expanded into Europe and into the U S they're in Colorado, Arizona and Florida now. Um, that's that's been good on personal and business level. Um, yeah. The other passion I have is photography. I like just going out with my camera and just being on oh, my. I own. didn't know that. Yeah. It's, what do you shoot uh, with? Uh, well, I just upgraded two years ago. I went to a mirror, new Canon mirrorless system. Nice. Uh, now in a position where I can treat myself to the pro lenses, so I buy the best glass and I've got a nice filter system. So. Right. I can begin sat there, whether it's doing some astro photography or astro landscapes, or um, we had a nice trip up to Norway in January and managed to see mm. the lights. So that was really good. And that's amazing. So that, but yeah, it's, I'm quite happy sat in a field or somewhere just with my camera and just let the, the time go by. I love knowing that about you. But we can share some tips and, and things. <laughs> What's a recent book, podcast, or a movie that's really had a, a big impact on you? I think I mentioned it before, The Purple Cow by Seth Godin, in terms yeah. of book and podcast, I found that's really helpful. Read a couple of times. The I've mentioned to you before, but The Skew Gas, that's just, I, I always listen to those now. It's like something's got to happen each week. It, it's The Skew Gas, because I've picked mm -hmm. up so many tips from the many great guests that you've had on there. Um, and now it's, it's not just that they guess it's like, I know that person, I met them and oh, that's a good friend. And yeah, you know, coming back to, um, when we went to skew camp and met such great people. Yeah. And I met John Bowe. Well, again, on the road trip, you know, me driving down and just dropping for drinks with John on the way down. And it's, Right. <laughs> Just a crazy thing that I'd never envisaged would happen. Um, but yeah, I think other podcasts that I listened to, like Promo Kitchen and Promo Corner, that only came, yeah. I heard about again through by Common Skew. So very I've cool. So much to thank Common Skew for. Well, we are continuing the great tradition of having awesome SkewCast guests because, Stephen, you have been so generous with your time and your energy and your knowledge and helping make the con connections for common skew distributors. And I just want, want to say thank you for being you. The team loves you. 
uh, thanks for being so generous with your time and intelligence. And um, uh, how would you encourage others to be less competitive and more collaborative in the business? That's a really difficult question. Um, Just be Stephen Ward, maybe? Is that what? <laughs> I don't, I, I don't try. That That's the thing for me. It's, it's yeah. I'm trying to be something I'm not. It's like, I, I've always been somebody that will try to help somebody. Yeah. And yes, in business, you have to be ruthless sometimes and sort of defend your corner. But it's, I've not lost clients to other distributors because it's about building that relationship. So yeah. if two distributors working together can go and get a bigger client, work together on it and share, then I would recommend it. And obviously for me, my focus with using common skew and meeting so many great people is very clearly if I can help somebody in the US that needs to help a job get played in UK or Europe, then I will do it. And I'm in a fortunate position that there aren't many others over here in my position with the connections that I've not got through this community yeah. and that they're doing it. So I'm an easy win for them because we've already done it. We've got a proven track record. Um, and yeah, it's, it's good for me. If there was somebody in my position that was on common skew, I'd say, yeah, go and do it. There's a yeah. lot of great companies out there that need help that. Yeah. We, I would I would add um, we haven't done any name dropping here, but you are doing it for some of the best brands in the U.S. And so um, my hats off to you, my friend, and thanks for joining us on the SkewCast. And I look forward to seeing you in September. Absolutely. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SkewCast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SkewCast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends, thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.